0: your country tear down this wall there is nothing wrong with america
1: he referred to my hands if they're small something else must be small i guarantee you
0: there's no problem i guarantee and we're back thanks for joining me again as always i'm the rogue this is deep state of the union we've got a great show today we have nathan bernard on he is the founder of bernardmedia.org. org. You can find him on Twitter at Nathan T Bernard. He's been doing a great job shining a light on the travesties that the alt right has been committing, both on and offline. He's got some stories for us. Really great, uh, really great chat with him. But uh, first, I, w- I want to talk about something that it was in the it was in the news this week, and it's something that's kind of been bubbling up. Um, for me just with people that i know uh and i'm sure with people you know and in the media as well uh and it kind of has to do with with free speech and what that means and who we should allow to have that so i'm sure you're familiar with um some of the new york times uh changing perspectives uh as in who they give airtime and uh, column space to? Uh, they hired Brett Stevens in the last year. He's a avowed climate change skeptic. They've written articles about the bright side of white supremacists, uh, and it's those kind of things that that really make me question. Whether or not progressives and Democrats and liberals have their head in the game. Giving people that want to exterminate other people a platform is not progressive. Talking about white supremacists as if they're normal people is not progressive. And I know you're going to say, well, it's important that we shine the light on those point of views. Well, I would, I would counter with, it would be if those were not hateful, terrible, anti-humanist POVs. And at this point, if you're a climate change skeptic, if you're a white supremacist, if you have any of those thoughts, then you're not someone who wants to be a part of a society that's aiming to move forward. And I don't think that you should be given the freedom of talking about that in a forum like the New York Times or, for that matter, on Twitter. On Twitter this week, a lot of talk about shadow banning, wherein Twitter supposedly hit uh, has hidden key conservative and right-wing accounts from being found via searches. Uh, You know, I would, if people were talking, if we're talking about like regular conservatives who are fiscal, talking about tax, you know, savings and that sort of thing, then I've got no problem with like differing perspectives. But when you start deviating to a point that you advocate for things like, you know, the Holocaust not existing or uh, whether or not women should be allowed to work, which is something that Jordan Peterson, who was given a ton of space by people in the mainstream media, when, when you start talking about those things, I really question what the motive is because I know that like I keep picking on the New York Times but they're a perfect example because they've done this they've they've sort of regressed to the mean here they've said you know we've been catching a lot of flack from the right wing they're in power now we've got to double up on hiring people that say things that they agree with in order to keep making money I think that's just a terrible way to be both from a journalism perspective and a business perspective, you're playing catch up. I mean, you're already losing, but you know, when it comes to to journalism, you're not, the, the goal should not be to appease people. It shouldn't be to, to please or appease. The goal of journalism is to like share truths. We already know that Nazism is bad. We fought a fucking war to exterminate Nazism. I don't need to read about how a guy goes to the store and in his, you know, in the evenings, he's a white supremacist. That doesn't do anything for me. We don't need to hear about those people. I don't need to hear, conversely, about how, hey, maybe the climate isn't changing and it's all just in our minds. Or it's all just a liberal conspiracy. That doesn't serve anything. Because it's false. When you allow lies to share equal measure with facts, that's the first step in destroying truth. I mean, that, that's where we are with this and i'm going to talk with nathan in a little bit about about this but you have people like mike cernovich out there who just spread bullshit just trash and it's met with well hey it's something to consider i mean look at what disney did with james gunn disney fired a guy based on jokes are they off-color jokes yeah but that's what jokes are like what world do we want to live in? Like we have to think about this as people with like hearts and brains as progressives. We have to think about what do we want to live in a place where people can't make jokes and we have to listen to you know swarms of people talk about whether or not the Holocaust was real or not because that's where we're headed if we keep opening up this this can further, I question whether or not we're we're it's already too late by doing this that to me is that this is one of the the biggest if not the biggest problem with trumpism and it you might you might not even attribute it to trumpism you might attribute it to just the rise of like uh social networking and giving everyone a voice and when you give everyone a voice you inevitably have a considerable margin of people who shouldn't have a voice out there so Again, I'm, I'm not, I don't have all the answers. I'm not trying to espouse the fact that everything I say is right. I'm, I'm sure I say plenty of things that are wrong. I, I, I don't think my worldview is the only worldview. But what I know is what truth is, and I know what nonsense is. And if I know that, then most people know it or should know it. And we can agree that's the starting point. That's all I'm saying. But when you start bringing on people who are intentionally sullying the well for everyone else then you end up destroying the whole system and that's what's happening if you look at what happened in russia in the 1980s and 90s disinformation was what led them to be a complacent largely complacent society and routinely elect someone who is a dictator and not really you know care about it but not really working to change because they're trained that oh you know there are these ideas that maybe they're false but i don't really care <laughs> it's a slippery slope so that 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 to me is it's a it it's very irksome to me what's happened to the media and i don't want to sound like some you know i'm not trying to be like donald trump in calling out the the media in a way that he is i think i think journalism and the media is the most important establishment in our country but I think it's been mutated by the right and I think we need to make a stand or else we're going to lose it all so with that (laughs) I'd like to bring on my first guest today, Nathan Bernard. He's the founder of bernardmedia.org. It's a website that exposes and trolls the far right and the far right media. People like Mike Cernovich, Baked Alaska, R.I.P., and uh, <laughs> a lot of other nutcases. He's uh, he's on Twitter at Nathan T. Bernard. Nathan, thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to uh, to talk about these guys.
0: Oh yeah there's a a, no limit to my excitement about people like Mike Cernovich. It, uh, it shouldn't be exciting, but unfortunately I, I don't really understand how people like him have kind of gotten where they've gotten. Do you have an insight into that?
1: Well, I think, I mean, so here's one thing that I've kind of seen about these far right media folks, or I guess just, whatever they call themselves, journalists or investigative journalists. You know, Cernovich kind of came to be around Pizzagate and before that using Gamergate. Right. And a really effective way to kind of grow your base and something that Cernovich is good at, that Laura Loomer is good at, that Jack Posobiec is good at, that even to a certain extent I would say the kind of Shapiros of the world are good at, is that they'll take – a conspiracy like a Pizzagate and they'll get their followers involved to go out and kind of research and do the work for them. So Pizzagate is a perfect case because, you know, this is like go out and find the keyword walnut or go find cheese pizza or go find, you know, extra sauce in a, uh, you know, that huge dump from WikiLeaks that came out. And when you can get your followers to do that and, you know, they feel like they're part of the story right. and maybe one fine day Cernovich will retweet your infographic where you have the 25 cases of, you know, the word walnut um, and map coming up in the same sentence in a slew of emails from John Podesta, and that'll be enough, right, because you'll get a thousand retweets or something because Cernovich shared it. Yeah. And uh, I think that, um, you know, that's um, that's something that's new to this kind of new modern way of going and investigating. and. He's obviously still using it now with the cases like James Gunn and the stuff that they're trying to do with even Sarah Silverman or Patton Oswalt just going and digging through these old tweets in hopes of finding something that they could spin primarily in Cernovich's case to, uh, you know, be about pedophilia or some, you know, now they're basically the joke police. But, uh yeah, I think um, I think those sort of investigations are really intriguing and engaging for people on social media, and it certainly helps them build their following.
0: It's like geocaching for schizophrenics. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's a really weird. Uh, I would say, you know what? Actually, it's it's definitely weird, but it's it's more become dangerous than anything. And you've been kind of at the forefront of this. I know that. Uh, one of your good friends and a really great Twitter follow, um, Vic Berger, uh, he was accosted by some of these clowns, you know, like in person by the Proud Boys for sort of coming at them. And do you have any kind of fear of these people like on a, in the physical realm?
1: No, I can't. I mean, it's obviously always something to keep on top of mind. And I think doxing, you know, sharing people's private information, whether it's their address or social security number, um, I think that's becoming a much more common tactic for these people. But I can't say that it's top of mind doing any sort of Twitter posts. I mean, with the Vic thing, I can tell that story a little bit, I suppose, of what happened with the Proud Boys. So basically, uh, now with Bernard Media... Um, We have a bunch of different activists and even some moles that we call them BM moles that are on the other side that kind of feed us leaks and feed us information. And so one activist in particular, she had watched over 100 episodes of Gavin McGinnis' show, his radio show, or the Gavin McGinnis show that he had. Mm -hmm. And so she sent us a ton of different clips, right? And the stuff that Vic and I do is a lot of times, you know, especially Vic with his, you know, video editing skills – uh, he'll, you know, make it satirical or make it comedic. So we took um, a bunch of those clips that she has picked out from these, you know, she sent us all this footage. We picked out a bunch of the clips. Some of it was Gavin saying the N-word over and over and over again. But also some of it was just, you know, he pulled out his penis live on air, which is totally ridiculous. You know, he was opening his, uh, you know, his ass cheeks so that you could basically see the entirety of, like, his anal canal. Like, he was doing just crazy stuff. Right. And this is all live on air. A lot of it was behind a paywall.
0: And just to to clarify for everybody, Gavin McGinnis is sort of one of the uh, uh, OGs of the alt-right movement, so to speak. Um, He started with Vice, he went a little crazy, and now he's leading a group of guys who are basically like steampunk Nazis called the Proud Boys. Um, Just in case anyone out there doesn't know about who he is, but sorry, I just wanted to preface that.
1: Oh no, it's good. It's good to give the context to him. I mean, he's a sad, sad character. I mean, he uh, he co-founded Vice, and basically, he would be a billionaire right now, but he was too racist, and they fired him. Right, so it's just like you know, the guy lives a sad sack life. He's now a drunk, and you know, from what I hear, a horrible coke fiend. So you know, he has he has seriously he has all sorts of issues. Um, and so basically, we had we had made these cuts from all this footage that this activist had sent us, and we knew it was really good stuff because again, some of it was behind the paywall. So it wasn't things that people had seen before. And we like putting out stuff that people hadn't seen before or stories that people haven't heard before um, because, I don't know, it's it's intriguing, and I think a lot of people are just reactionary. Like, these people will do something ridiculous, and then there'll be a 100 different think pieces that come out about why James Gunn shouldn't have been fired, right, or, you know, why Pizzagate is a dangerous thing. But I think being proactive in this stuff is super important. And so Vic puts out these videos... Uh, that, like I said, a lot of it hasn't been seen before. And for whatever reason, you know, we put out a story that Gavin McGinnis pulls out his penis live on air is likely to be fired, right? And Vic puts out <laughs> three videos. Yeah, so it's like, kind of, it's funny stuff, right? And that's again part of it is that hopefully it's comedic and people find it funny too. Um, put that out. And within a couple of days, Vic gets a leak to his email. That is apparently from a private pride boys group, and it's saying that we should dock these dock these videographers, get their social security numbers, get their the addresses of their wives, their you know uh, moms, their dads, their sisters, their brothers. Uh, but don't go and stab them. Don't do anything crazy. Just order a bunch of pizzas to their house or do something, mm-hmm. right? But still, the goal is to get private information, and so that happens. And, you know, Vic and I see this, and we say, okay, well, this is probably just internet drama, and nothing will come of it, because uh, people, people always post crazy stuff. But two weeks later, uh, Vic is at home. It's about 12 p.m. in the afternoon, and he hears a knock at the door, and he goes to answer the door, and it's not a boy by any means. It's probably like a 50-year-old man, this guy Kenneth Lazardo, who is divorced, he's unemployed, he lives up in Massachusetts, and he's spent his day... Uh, driving down from Mass to pay visit a Vic and his to pay Vic a visit and his home in Pennsylvania, Jeez. right? And yeah, and he thinks that he basically thinks because it's midday that Vic probably won't be there and it'll just be his wife opening the door. But Vic is there. Lo and behold, he gets super pissed, obviously at this guy because this guy basically Vic is like, who the hell is this guy? And this guy says, "Are you Vic Berger?" And he says, "Yeah, I'm Vic Berger." And he says well, you, you should stop making those videos about the Proud Boys, man. You're, uh, you're, making, you're hurting a lot of people. And it's like, who the fuck is this guy you know, that's showing up in my house? Do you know what I mean? Like, who the hell is this guy? Sure. And, um, you know, Vic gets super pissed. He pushes him away. The guy takes out a camera trying to film him because basically the fourth degree in the Proud Boys, the Proud Boys go by degrees, and there's four degrees. Um, and the fourth degree, which is the top degree, is you have to get into a fight with an activist, a leftist, you know, you have, to, you have to get into a fight with them, a physical fight. Yeah. And so he's trying to provoke Vic so that he can get in a fight and get his fourth degree and everything. And Vic just gets him out, pushes him to his car, gets him in his car, rips off, you know, the back windshield wiper of his car, like spits in his face, you know, tells uh, the next door neighbor who's now come out because there's a commotion to call the cops and everything, um, you know, tells the wife, his wife to call the police. Um, And the guy eventually just drives away and still loses like a transformer sticker on the back of his minivan. Right. And he drives back to wherever he, where where whatever fucking hole he came from basically. So that's, that's, that's the story of uh, the Proud Boys showing up, but you know, that's, um, and we later found out that, uh, you know, Gavin had known about everything that happened at the house and that he had said it wasn't a big deal that Vic had basically played a stupid game and won a stupid prize by putting out these videos and, you know, hurting their feelings. Right, so uh it's not top of mind by any means that these people are going to do things like that by getting this private information or that there could be real world danger, but I think that story goes to show that, hey, uh, these things do happen well, ultimately. yeah, it's something to be concerned of
0: and and it's not like what we're talking about here is obviously things that occur on the internet, and for a lot of people, I think they think, oh, that's just petty nonsense but the difference here and the difference with people like gavin mcginnis the proud boys mike cernovich is that these people are playing for keeps they're not these are not just like trolls you know these are people that are seeking to like ruin lives who are seeking to like advance a very extremist you know right-wing agenda and so that that to me is what's. it's not like it's not like it's oh it's some group of you know role-playing nerds it's these guys are like legitimately trying to be something now obviously i think they're cornballs um but <laughs> uh the fact is i think we've crossed over from just like oh you you cursed at a guy on instant messenger now he's coming to your house um you know oh totally There, there is this weird sort of gang mentality that harks and not to keep harping on like nazism but you know, the Proud Boys, they all wear matching Fred Perry shirts and yep. have, like, chants and all this stuff. It's a, a very dangerous place, I think, we're in. Um, so...
1: No, I, I agree. And I think there's a certain disillusionment also. Well, I think I think one thing that you said is also I'm not sure... The Cernoviches of the world, I think, have much less... Like, they don't have much of an ideology. Uh, the Jack Posadics, the Cernoviches, the Laura Loomers... Uh, all the kind of scenester people that are jumping into the scene and just riding the Trump wave and hoping that they can get clicks from it and have been obviously very successful. All of them have hundreds of thousands of followers. I think someone like a Gavin McGinnis, um, like he has a lot to lose, you know, because he was, he was a media figure right. way before any of these people were around. He has a long history of this stuff. So, I mean, yeah, uh, people know who he is. He's not new on the scene no. and now he's associated with all these people where, you know, he goes to Cernovich's A Night for Freedom, which was kind of this event where they're celebrating whatever the hell they're doing with, you know, all of this trolling and online stuff, right? It's a Mm -hmm. place that similarly-minded people can meet up. And he's just blasted drunk off his mind, probably blown on coke on stage, just ranting about, you know, choking trannies and that he's going to go beat the shit out of all these, like, activists that are in the streets. And I think, uh, you know when this Trump wave hopefully dies down and I don't think that anything will, uh, will change necessarily. I think there's just permanent damage that's kind of been done just to, at least the media for sure. But I think Gavin specifically and the group of all these people is going to look back on this. And, um, I think he's going to, in retrospect, like, I hope there's no guns in the house or anything, basically. Like it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty harrowing experience realizing who he's associated with and who he's become. Because
0: you have a, you you have a very it's, It's dark. You have a hopeful that's a I mean, certainly dark but definitely hopeful point of view. See, I, I look at people like Gavin McGinnis or Cernovich and I think like we're fucked. When I look at someone like Mike Cernovich, who basically, like you've said, he's he's a leech. He's not he doesn't yep. he doesn't have any ideology or Pasabic or Laura Loomer. These are people they don't really have an ideology, which is what I think those people are far more dangerous. And I'm sure Mike Cernovich, if he listens to this, will love that I say that he'll 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 enjoy that he's seen as dangerous. That's like his thing. But truly, this is we're, we're in like a post truth world and being in this uh-huh. post truth world, people that don't have like Trump, a real ideology are the people that skirt. You know consequences. Look at Mike Cernovich. What this guy has done in the last two years? Mo- no one would survive this who was associated with anything real. You know, that's true. And that—that that to me yeah. is what's most worrying. Sorry that's to really sorry to point. rain sorry to rain on your parade, Nathan. I
1: uh... <laughs> no no no. I think that's a great point. I mean, and I I don't disagree with that at all. I think that you know the people like I do think their idea ideolo- like if they, if there's any ideology, it's that they're obviously grifters and, you know, they want to get clicks and they want to make money out right. of outrage. And they found a way to really do that effectively to say that they're not effective at doing that would be a lie. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they pose a serious problem. And, um, like I said, I don't think, I don't think past this, especially as, you know, you know, a post-truth world, I think people like this can thrive. And I think that, You know, they've certainly carved out a little space for themselves to push some serious propaganda and misinformation in this post-truth world, if you want to call it that. But I think that area, that little space that they've also carved out for themselves is places where, you know, like a Bernard Media and Vix videos can implant themselves. And, you know, in that space, you could create art and you can create satire and you can use similar tactics to themselves, but you can be creative and, um, Absolutely. I think that can be a really
0: powerful thing. Well, and, and, you know, that's, that's honestly one of the things that I really like about what you've done to these people is kind of illuminate how ridiculous they are. And I think that's what a lot of people have. Vic has been doing that really well. I sometimes try to, I try to like look at bigger picture issues, but it's too easy sometimes to dunk on people like Cernovich. But I think the, the, oh, totally. the way that you call out uh, these kind of characters is the most important thing. I think people need to focus on like satire and and you were actually featured in two articles this past week, week uh, on Huffington post and rolling stone, which is a big, big deal for your work and kind of coming after these people. So what, what did you like, how did you get into this, you know, into sort of seeing this niche for fighting back against, you know, what we both agreed is a very dangerous kind of presence.
1: Totally, yeah, and I'll send you. So we had, we had three pieces. We had the Daily Beast as well. Actually, oh yeah, a sure. Good profile too, which was it was a cool one. It was a cool one. Um, so I guess uh, you know it started back in the election. I uh, I had made this bot. Basically, there was a bunch of alt right people that were auto replying to Donald Trump with multimedia content anytime that he tweeted. And this was about two years ago now. And um, you know, one of them was named Neil Turner. And I had made this podcast essentially trying to find out it was called who is Neil. And, um, you know, I started DMing with a bunch of these alt-right accounts that were doing this auto reply stuff. And on top of that, um, I come from tech and I do tech as a living Mm -hmm. and everything I could do tech contracts to make my money. And I made a faster bot that would get the first reply to Trump and on mobile the, feed um was chronological so if you were the first to reply you would get the first reply there was no change to that it was just a chronological um reply feed like 90 percent or 80 percent of twitter's traffic comes from mobile so you know we started getting literally like hundreds of millions of impressions and views and stuff and i would reply with stuff like they were the neo-nazi people that were doing it um they were real neo-nazis were replying with you know propaganda oftentimes anti-semitic or um you know, Islamophobic or, mm-hmm. you know, uh hating black people, for instance. And I was replying with stuff like Vick's Vine videos, right? Or like this guy, Todd Dracula's Vines, that was like funny and stuff. I didn't have a huge agenda aside from kind of pushing those people down out of the periphery, right? And sometimes sure. we would keep it topical. Um, but through that and through making that podcast and, you know, I started to get super obsessed with it because I just fell down the rabbit hole of, The guy, Neil Turner, which was, you know, the primary focus of the podcast, um, you know, sending me tons of DMs. This guy, White Genocide TM, who was in a bunch of the FBI hearings that were happening at that time, just kind of looking at social media as a place to recruit um, for, like, neo-Nazism and white nationalism. And um, I would modulate my voice through some basic, like, audio editing so that uh, I could play multiple characters on the podcast. And so... (laughs) Yeah, so it was like I didn't take myself, I don't, I still don't take myself super seriously or anything. So, um, it was like, you know, I'm getting these big Twitter wars and Twitter fights. And through that, um, you know, Vic took notice of the podcast. Uh, Tim Heidecker, if you're familiar with Tim and Eric and stuff, took notice of it. Um, and they liked what I was doing and I started, um, you know, me and my brother actually made a, made a kind of a software as a service application that allowed other people to do the auto replying and get their message out and queue up their own content. Um, so that's kind of how I started working with Vic and, you know, it just, um,
0: and just so I every- kind of
1: built from there. Just so everyone's yeah.
0: from, I, I, if you're not familiar with Vic Berger, um, he is a, a really fantastic satirist on Twitter, uh, who does a lot of Photoshop and video editing? You have guarantee you've seen some of his work with Adult Swim um, and a variety of other outlets. But just wanted to plug him a little bit because he's great.
1: Yeah, he's the man, and I mean, honestly, just a huge inspiration on any work I've done or you know my life in general at this point. Um, he's been hugely influential, and so um,
0: you know, I guess that was kind your, of he's your Gavin McGinnis.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean he's I certainly I've certainly learned a lot <laughs> okay. from Vic. Um you're, and, and you're coincidentally, you know, we're from the same hometown. We met online, but uh Tim and Vic are actually from the same hometown that oh, I'm wow. from. Where's that? Yeah. Um it's in uh Pennsylvania. It's Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Oh, um so it's like where Bethlehem Steel is. It's it's a place where there's a lot of rundown steel mills and old coal mines basically out of their prime. But um Yeah, so we're all from the same place, just totally coincidentally, but, you know, became friends with him online. And then, you know, that was more like the neo-Nazi people, the far, far right. And I had seen the Cernoviches from doing, you know, he had been doing a lot of the spirit cooking stuff. I obviously saw Pizzagate and everything during the election. But it was around, I guess, uh, you know, 2016 or like the end of it was like 2017, going into 2017, December 2016, that Vic started making some video edits of Cernovich. And at this point, I was friends with Vic and everything, and, um, you know, he did stupid stuff where just, like, stupid funny stuff where, you know, Cernovich is making a dumb video where he's acting like a gorilla, just doing a breathing exercise, clapping in front of his face, and, you know, Vic would put, like, a farting noise under that and zoom in on his face so that he's breathing super heavily and maybe up the volume of the breathing a little bit, and... You know, Cernovich just, as much as these guys love free speech, they just couldn't take the jokes. No. And yeah, they, they obviously don't love free speech enough. And well, so, yeah. uh, you know, they uh, he freaked out. He pinned, he said that Vic was the pedophile ringleader and that, you know, he's very careful not to say Vic was a pedophile, but that he was associating with pedophiles and that he may be at the center of this Twitter pedophile ring. And so, smeared Vic like this. And that just kind of launched, you know, me looking into these people. And obviously wanted to help Vic and fight back against them. And um yeah, yeah. that's uh that was kind of the start, I suppose, from who is Neil into that. Cool. You know, and then I made a couple of podcasts about Cernovich and stuff, but that was that was like the start of everything for sure.
0: What do you think what do you think this obsession with people like Cernovich calling people pedophiles is? What do you think that's about? It's very strange to me like how quick they are to just call everyone a pedophile. Even like Elon Musk is doing this now. What's, what is with people who like have a screw loose? I mean, I guess I'm answering my own question, but like what, (laughs) what, what, what is it that like lends itself to just calling anyone who disagrees with you a pedophile? Do you have any insight into that?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's, um, I think it's, it's a tactic that, you know, there's other, there's other forms of it, but things like this is so, Cernovich calls Vic a pedophile or he calls James Gunn a pedophile or now he calls Pat Oswald a pedophile or Sarah Silverman a pedophile or Dan Harmon a pedophile. And if anyone comes out and starts trying to combat that, then suddenly you're saying, well, I'm not a pedophile. And suddenly you're talking about, you're still talking about, well, now you're really adamantly saying you're not a pedophile. So are you a pedophile? (laughs) Regardless, there's no way, there's no good way with something that disgusting to really protect yourself, right? Because you're still then talking about it and you're still spreading the message. So it's just kind of a double negative and yeah. those sort of those sort of really dirty messaging and everything. I mean, frankly, I've learned from it, right? But, you know, that's that's actually like the tactic of anything. And I think he truly thinks it's funny, right? Like he thinks it's a form of comedy in some sick weird way that having these people say, Well, I'm not a pedophile because I remember very clearly, one line he said from when Vic was doing it. it was like, "Oh, the the Viner does protest too much, right? Like, oh, you're saying you're 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 definitely not a pedophile, right? So, you know, it's just there's no way to get out of it because you're still you're just talking about pedophilia, yeah. It's, you know, it's fucking sick. So, I I just think know, there, I think that's yeah. part of
0: it. I think there's like I'm fascinated with the psychology of people. Number one, who are like Trump supporters, but number two are." people that have really no ideology like this and have like this innate need to just kind of do whatever it takes to get out in front of people like Mike Cernovich. It's this weird, like, like a dead ego or something. I don't know. It's very sick to me. There's something that's really sick about he. Like I say, he's the most, one of the most dangerous people, which I agree. He's also like, I think one of the most mentally ill screwed up people on earth.
1: Oh yeah, I mean his mom's a schizophrenic. I mean he is, he is, um, you know he has mental illness in his family. So I would never bash on mental illness, or you know that's that's a sickness. And I hope that uh, if he does have mental illness, he finds the help that he needs. Do you think but, he's?
0: A, do you think Mike could be a necrophiliac?
1: I wouldn't put anything past him. Right? <laughs> I mean, you never know. You, you couldn't put anything past him, man. I mean, someone that spends like I thought sometimes. Just the other day, I was thinking. You know when all this James Gunn stuff happens, and you know some of these pieces came out. I was just thinking, I was like, man, what what is an average day for him? That he just wakes up,
0: takes his gorilla pills,
1: takes his gorilla pills, and starts thinking about pedophilia. Right, right. Like that's you're thinking about it all day. He's thinking about pedophilia all day long, eight to ten hours at least. He's <laughs> researching it. He's thinking sure. about it. Like, what the hell does that do to your mind?
0: Oh, Damn. absolutely. Like there
1: was this tweet. There's this tweet he retweeted the other day from one of his followers. And uh, So I'm, the guy said something along the lines of, "He's like, God bless you, Mike. I I don't know how you wade through this disgusting shit all day long. You know, like looking at like this pedophilia stuff. Right. And Mike's just like, yeah, like you know, like someone has to do it. And it's just like a gas, dude. Like, you know, so it's, yeah, it's some sick stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Um, there's there's a lot of opportunities out there. He could be a necrophiliac. You know, he lives a sick life." <laughs>
0: I just it it's one of the the it's a double-edged double-edged sword. You know, I I've built a following on social media and I think social media is very yeah. valuable, but like there's people that should not be allowed like outdoors, let alone on social media like <laughs> him. So I think it's yeah. it's this dangerous place we're in where it's like you give a voice to everybody and you're going to end up with like these screwballs it's just and i i had a tweet earlier where i'm i i basically think i got an argument with someone earlier i basically Mm -hmm. think like one of the biggest problems for like progressives is this this like need to to give everybody a voice like the new york times like giving brett stevens uh you know let's talk about climate change on the front page of the new york times like maybe it's not real or yeah you know a piece about oh what are white supremacists really like I think this, <laughs> this idea that, that we have to you know give people a voice is just it ends up you end up making people like Pasobic or Cernovich it just it, it there's it's a bad idea
1: yeah and they don't give a shit about free speech i mean right yeah i totally i totally agree i mean the stuff like brett Stevens, said being a columnist or whatever writing new york Times op eds whatever the hell he does about climate change being a fallacy or a hoax i mean stuff like that are all the think pieces where i went to the midwest and i met up with a neo-nazi and he shops at walmart too so he <laughs> must be a normal guy right you know it's like no, he's not. He's a fucking neo-Nazi that is 1488 tattooed on the back of his legs or something. Right? Like it's, You know what I mean? It's just um, there's there's no point to those. They don't do anything. There's no benefit to having that opinion spread widely because it doesn't benefit anybody. You don't really glean like what are you gleaning from that piece? Oh, he also shops at Walmart but then he goes back and he's like I, I, I'm i glad the Holocaust happens. I mean, it's there's, well, it's no, plain, there's nothing good from it's it. It's
0: playing to what their demands are. when When you keep you know, ringing that bell like Cernovich does of no one takes us seriously, they're trying to shadow ban us, they're keeping us in the dark, and you capitulate, uh, yeah. and you capitulate, and you say, fine, 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 we'll give you some airtime. Then it legitimizes people like that. You start legitimizing them when you, when you treat them equally.
1: Yeah, you do. And I really don't think, I mean, the shadow banning stuff recently is totally ridiculous. You know, that's not even happening, frankly. No. Oh. But... I don't know. If it I, was I totally agree with But if all. it
0: was, if it was happening, I would be okay with it because these are people that have opinions that quite frankly should not be in like the Zeitgeist.
1: Oh, I 100% <laughs> you know. agree. I mean, the New York Times, for instance, you know, you mentioned the New York Times, that's supposed to be our that's supposed to be our publication of record for history. Right. Right. That's supposed to be a historical record essentially is what that's supposed to be. So I mean, yeah, if you have people like Brett Stevens writing that climate change is a hoax, or you go into Walmart with a Nazi, I mean, I don't think those are things that need to be written in the history books necessarily.
0: Right. No, for sure. Hey, I wanted to ask you one thing before we go. So, uh, in in one of the pieces, actually, in a few of them, uh, it mentions that you were roommates with um, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, the uh, Democrat candidate in Queens for Congress um, that has really made a name for herself. What what do you? How did you meet her? What's she like? Like, tell us a little bit about her.
1: Um, so I met her in college. Without going too far into it, um, I had come up with an idea in college to uh, to essentially create like a microfinance program in um Dorchester. We both went to Boston University and so I was going out to um raise grants for that and I was meeting other people that in, in college, this was when I was a junior and she was a senior that had some experience doing, you know, like microfinancing and backing female entrepreneurs, essentially, Mm -hmm. to like, you know, grow businesses. Um, And like community banking, essentially. And she um, had done some of that that previous summer in uh, Africa. And so we met and talked and ended up doing pitches together, um, ended up successfully raising grants for it. And then, you know, she graduated, and I had stayed on in BU and done some of that work. So, I mean, that's how I initially met her, I guess, was through, like, you know, social kind of work when we were both in school and having an interest in that. Um, And then I moved to New York, uh, and while I was leaving Boston, essentially, because I finished, like, basically I finished that research grant money. um, When I stayed for a year after school in Boston, Um, it turned into a class for BU, because uh, we would, like, send students in the communities and everything. And so when that was about to be done, uh, I thought about moving to New York City. And I had come up to New York before, and I'd stayed at her place, because she has – her family has a place in the Bronx, essentially. And, um, you know, I knew she had an extra room and everything, and she was a friend. And so I was like, hey, like, you know, I want to come up to New York City. She's from there. Do you think I, you know, could basically rent that room out? And she was like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, take it out. And so, uh, yeah, we were roommates up in the Bronx when I first moved to New York for a couple of months. And um, she really helped me get my feet under me. Uh, only I have great things to say about her. I mean, she's super genuine. I know her as Sandy. Uh, she's a friend, like a personal friend. So all of this has been pretty surreal. Sure. Seeing All this stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, but uh, she's she's a nerd. She's really smart. Um, she likes Star Trek a lot. Uh, you know, I think she's funny. Um, and I think like a lot of that just kind of her being a funny person and like a very real, genuine person that, you know, comes from like a truly like working class, like, you know, very normal, regular family. Um, I don't know. Uh, she's the real deal, man. Like she, she knows all this stuff. She cares about it deeply. I personally have learned uh, a ton from her just over my life. She's been an influence on me and, you know, getting me involved in activism and everything. Um, you know, I would be lying if I said she didn't have an influence on my life. Yeah. She's a great person. That's awesome. Um, so I, you know, yeah, she's a shit.
0: Awesome man. Well, hey, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, this is a great talk. I could talk about the alt right for hours. I could. That's what they want, but I could do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm fascinated. Yeah. Um, Nathan, thank you so much for coming on. You can check out Nathan's Twitter feed at Nathan T Bernard or BernardMedia.org. dot org. He's great. I'm sure you're going to be hearing a lot from him in the future. Thanks again, man.
1: For sure. For sure. Thanks for having me.
0: You know, if you're not following Nathan, you should be. He's great. He's got a lot to say. We were talking off air about kind of the need for progressives and the left to have this, like, pit bull attack dog mentality that they do on the right. People that are willing to do whatever it takes to advance an agenda that they know is is right in our case it is right but obviously we we are you know empathetic intelligent people who who try to play by the rules but the problem is the game has changed and we keep we keep trying to you know oh well no we can't we can't play down to that level we can't do that when they go low we go high yeah well it doesn't work and when you see things like what mike cernovich has done with James Gunn or what he's trying to do with various other figures. It doesn't, the traditional methods don't work. And so I think what, what someone like Nathan's doing, which is, you know, calling that out and really working to, you know, make waves in a way that hasn't been done before. I think that's super important. And I, I strive to do that and I hope that everybody recognizes the importance of that because who we're dealing with are, are, ultimately dangerous people. Jack Posobiec, Mike Cernovich, Gavin McGinnis, all of those people are dangerous. They're dangerous not just because they don't really have an ideology, but because they're relentless and because they're willing to do whatever it takes for whatever reason, for their egomania, for mental illness, for, you know, money. It doesn't doesn't really matter what the, the reason is, but the fact is they're willing to. So complacency on our side, I think, is what, will lead to a loss not necessarily November but down the road and maybe already has so it was a great talk I really appreciate him coming on and I'm sure we'll be talking more in the future with him but if you haven't followed him check him out at Nathan T. Bernard and thanks for listening it's always great to talk with you I'm sure we'll be well I know we'll be we'll be talking more so yeah take care Listen, I don't want a president
1: who's warm on the outside and warm on the inside, too. I want one that's warm on the outside, but I want one who, when the tough decisions are made,